Hello and welcome back to another episode of Secrets Behind the Music Business. I'm your host, Barry Victor, and today we have with us a very special guest who is a singer, songwriter, artist, poet, activist, and entrepreneur, Mr. Cheyenne Salah. Cheyenne, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Happy to be here. Great, man. Thank you so much for being with us. So I, I know I gave you a bit of an introduction, but is there anything that I missed? Because you are a man that wears many hats, so I don't want to... You know, I'm not surprised if I did miss anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you did a good job. I, I think you got the the, uh, the total spectrum, man. I'm sure as the interview goes along, we'll get into other aspects. But, um, you know, I'm just, uh, on the quick and humble, I'm, I'm just appreciative to be able to do what I do in life. And there's no real title for that, man. I'm just, just trying to do me and be me and, and be the best of me I can be, you know? Definitely, and I and I think that it is coming off and it's um, showing through all of the work that you do, and um, you know I see the work that you, what you do with the children at the schools, you know at the Starbucks, and just being an artist yourself, man. You out there and you grinding and you doing a lot of work, so I know that you're touching a lot of people. So um, that's yes, definitely sir. just uh, something that we need to continue to just put out there in the world, and you know you are one of those people who are showing what you can do with what you have and still making it have a huge impact. And so that's why I'm so inspired by you. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate the insight. You know, it's important that, uh, you know, programs such as yours exist and, you know, in a fashion and manner and way that it gives people, you know, the kind of perspective um, from a behind the curtain, you know, kind of standpoint and shine a light on, on the fact that, you know, no matter what the title is that we hold or whatever the skill sets are, you know, we're, we're all still human beings um, at the same time. And, and um, you know, there's, there's, there's not enough spaces that are uh, out there right now that, you know, are designed to appreciate, you know, those components. So I just hope that a lot of my give back and a lot of my efforts are, are um, you know, able to continue to be seen and heard and, uh, and felt, you know, in programs like this through people such as you. So, you know, that's my way of saying hats off to you, man, for doing the proper work, the proper research, and taking the approach to, to find people like me that are doing what we do. Definitely, definitely, man. I, I thank you, and I appreciate that as well. And um, so can we start off just by basically giving us a background of how you got into music and then how it ventured off into the other entrepreneur ventures that you got into? Yeah, well, you know, I think... Like most people, man, you know, the story is, is vast and wide and deep, um, you know, but in, in a nutshell, I was raised in a musical family. You know, I come from, I come from just, you know, the culture and the line, the heritage of the family is, is the arts and entertainment. And, um, you know, we always uh, were the kind of family that would gather at grandma's house. And my grandmother was really big in producing the arts. And she was a... Uh, a huge advocate for, you know, literature and performance and uh, poetry and art and, uh, and of course, music. And so that was kind of like my initial conditioning. I always tell people the most important years of a human being's life is from zero to seven mm. because it's where, it's where the mind uh, is forming its psychology mm -hmm. and it's where those conditions are being, you know, kind of imprinted on the brain and on the spirit. And, and I'm fortunate enough to, um, though my, though all my experiences weren't perfect <laughs> growing up, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to have music and art and culture and 
sports and different things like that as a part of it. On top of that, my pops was a record collector, so uh, you know he collected everything, every genre you could imagine, along with the sub-genres. My mom sang soul, gospel music, so music was just always in and around. My older brothers grew up as break dancers and athletes, and so, man, it was just kind of par for the course as far as you know, it being in my blood for, you know, from the standpoint of becoming an artist. And, you know, my brother started taking me to the studio early on. Um, I ended up meeting uh, an amazing brother by the name of Stan Taylor, who out here in the Seattle area had a, uh, had a church that had an outreach component that centered around music and developing some of us kids that was, you know, uh, on the street looking for a chance to, uh, you know, to do something with their skills. And I kind of got a chance to incubate through his system before I got to, to Hollywood and, uh, and started my journey. But I was blessed, man, to have, you know, mentorship along the way and willing people that, you know, could cultivate that. Stan was one of those guys that um, was really big on understanding, you know, how the business was ran, you know, so we'd go on excursions. We bought all the books in the bookstores that were, you know, relative to the music industry, you know, all the legal books. And it was part of the homework to read all the legal books and do all this kind of stuff. And, um, by the time I got to LA and got my first, uh, you know, my first job was really working, um, on the Wayans brothers on the WB, um, back in those days, they had, you know, six or seven shows, Wayans brothers and, um, in the house with LL Cool J and Moesha and all of those shows. Um, and there was one lot on Sunset and Gower um, up there in, uh, in, in Hollywood where pretty much all those black shows at that time were being you know, recorded. And one of my childhood friends, Eric Willis, who was also a member of the R&B group Shy, um, he was producing music um, for Wayans and was producing uh, you know, music for the TV show and you know, kind of slid me through the door and gave me a, a chance to kind of see how the production goes. I got on and immediately started doing extra work and kind of became a part of the, the unit there. And, and from there, things just began to take off. But what was most important was that I had some foundation, a healthy respect for the, or healthy respect for the culture. I grew up an athlete, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a deep believer in hard work, you know, discipline, um, uh, you know, using systems, if you would, routines, what your daily rituals are, I truly believe are the indicators of of, uh, of what your success pattern is going to be. So I got to see that stuff firsthand. And uh, it just it just allowed me to have um, an opportunity to be as free as I wanted to be as an artist and entrepreneur. So it's, it's blessed me a lot. Man. Yeah, it's a lot to explore just within that. I mean, so I can see how all the pieces are connected. So I can see just by your family background, being in arts and uh, entertainment and in sports, how maybe that played a part in you building brave new world. And then I'm looking at the, um, the relationship that you had with Stan and how that may weave itself into how you work with children and mentorship, you know, and just yeah. giving back, working with your friend, Eric, and how now you're giving back and you're sharing opportunities. Did you know, this was going to happen or how did like each one of those things play into what you do now? You know, that's a great question. I'm putting that together because at the time you don't know, but there's something that I find to be really interesting about, um, you know, when you're being true to yourself, 
it's almost like today, like one of the hot words in the world today is algorithms. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's associated with technology. But, you know, the gist of it is that, you know, once you set forth a pattern, there's, there's, there's this tendency for this kind of um, reciprocity of, of you going back into that pattern on some level. So the, the thing about my childhood and when I grew up and the way I grew up, um, it's indicative of what happened and what began going on in my career later because I just found myself returning to roles of leadership that were very similar to what was going on um, as an athlete. I found myself in you know different uh, parts of the industry, which was definitely relative to like how my parents enjoyed music, how my grandmother introduced it. My grandfather was a was a traveling minister, so he was in that space. And of course, you mentioned Stan. So I always, my entire career, have had a component of outreach going on, some aspect of not just being stuck in the music uh, on a per, on a genre specific kind of scenario. So I've always been hip hop, rock and roll, blues, R and B, fashion, uh, movies. Uh, TV, you know, my first check was from Wayans Brothers. Mm. Even though I was going to LA to do music, that was my first money I ever made. You know what I'm saying? Before I ever got a record deal, I was I was acting and modeling before I ever got a record deal. So it's, to me, I can look back now and I can say, I didn't understand it then, but now I realize the algorithm from grandma's basement with all the art and the literature and the and the movies and you know what I mean? Like it all just kind of manifests itself at higher levels, more evolved levels as you start, um, you know, journeying in your process. And so yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm fortunate, but, you know, it's not without its, its, you know, peaks and valleys, if you would. It's not without the struggle. The struggles are even more real when you're, you know, kind of casting a wide net like I am. Um, but it's who I am. And so. I'm kind of living by that gumbo rule. Like there's a lot that's going on in me. Yeah. And so that means there's a lot going on around me. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's all I know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How important do you feel that it is to give the students that you're working with or even the relationships that you're creating? Do you share these jewels and these tips and these life lessons, to say that you're getting from sports and how to um, come up with the routine when you're teaching classes around if it's music or if it's other parts of entertainment, are you instilling those rituals as well? Or do you keep it on the technical side to based on what you're teaching for that moment? Yeah, I I focus a little bit in both. I think it's, I think it's critical that um, whenever you're introducing yourself, particularly to the youth, that you're vulnerable. I think you have, you have to have the kind of truth that, you know, you, it can't be that seasoned truth. I, that's what I call honesty. I think honesty is like truth with a perspective, you know, but when you're really truth, like vulnerable truth, like this is really what happened. This was really the condition and the environment. And I always lead with that when it comes to the youth, because I know each, each child, each person is at the time, um, they're living in a, in their vulnerable truth. Like whatever it is in their life is, is what it is. And it's on the sleeve more times than not. And everybody can see it. It's hard to disguise it. The kids don't got money. They don't got, you know, the skill sets to kind of mask what's going on in their world. And so I always lead with where I was at when I was their age. And then from there, I go behind the curtain because I think you got to also have the technical side too. So I spent a lot of time 
only focusing on, um, you know, behind the scenes, instead of focusing on celebrities, for instance, I focus on who is working for the celebrity to keep the celebrity as a celebrity. Mm-hmm. So, and, and instead of focusing, you know, Eminem or focusing Jay-Z or Lil Wayne or Kobe Bryant or LeBron James, I'm now focusing on the agents and the managers and the lawyers, um, you know, the publicists, uh, the, the, the tour bus driver, the nutritionist, the, you know, you, the accountant, you name it. And whenever I'm interacting with the youth, I'm trying to show them that these people are also the star. Like that, like you don't make money unless you got a star accountant and you don't make good deals unless you got a star, you know, lawyer. Um, you're not going to approach a developing a great career path unless you got a star manager. And, and so this is all designed to get kids to see that their value and their worth isn't just how high they jump or how beautiful they can run a note when they sing or how dope they can drop a metaphor and a rhyme, but it's more or less, you know, you might make the next basketball, (laughs) you know, damn playing it. You might make the next ball. You feel me? Like you got the, you got the capacity to be the kid that, that makes the next net or the next rim or the seat that the people sit in, you know, you might be innovating, you know, at that level. So I try to like, just break it open and show that, all of this stuff that is going on needs people and our youth are valuable because they got a, they got a hidden genius in there. So I try to marry those worlds. I, I came from um, every last bit of nothing, um, but I was able to do and been able to do some things with it. Um, and that vulnerable truth is what I lay out to them. And then I kind of circle that back with here's, here's your potential and here's your capability. And if, if I could do it, then you know there's no reason why any of you couldn't be able to do it right that's incredible so do you see the career path shift once you share those story with them of the that all-star team that may not be seen and like you said they're behind the scenes once you share who the agents are and the and the attorneys do you see those children shift from a hey, i don't want to be the star but i do want to be the lawyer or the accountant do you see that happen a lot after you share those insights yeah, because you know, there's something, there's something magical about practicality. Sometimes, like, <laughs> I know it don't get any dap. It's not sexy. It's not fancy. It's not cute to be practical. But all of those things that you mentioned, right, like accounting, the lawyer, the so on, like all of that's practical. And so, what I see happening is I see the kids start shifting to, oh, you know, being that that kind of practicality, that kind of discipline that's cool. Like, I get it. Like, you know, if these guys aren't in play or if you don't got the right people in, in, in this design and that very well could be me. Cause maybe I'm not that kid that can, is going to grow up to be six foot seven and jump out the gym. Um, I might be able to be that agent for that guy though. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now they start to see themselves in a more, you know, uh, a more broad perspective, if you would, because you know how it is when your kids is like the cool kid is out there and they running and they jumping and they, they doing the cool things. And then, you know, a lot of times, at least when I was coming up, it wasn't cool to be intelligent. It wasn't cool to be academically inclined. It wasn't cool to be, you know, having these other skills. You know, there we have eras, particularly within black culture where 
you know, it's frowned upon if that kid is into the arts or into fashion or into colors and schemes or, you know, into structure or, what, or whatever the deal is. Um, because when it's time to go to recess, it's just about having fun. And that's going to be owned by whoever the athlete is, right? Like right. that's, that's going to be the cool guy. But throughout the course of time, not everybody can maintain and keep up with that. And so it's like, how do we shine the light on these other elements that are very, very important? Um, and how do we kind of make them the cool thing? And so that's, that's kind of where I come from is like saying, you know, these other realms um, are the, sometimes the coolest, you know, space you can be in and anybody can compete there. Anybody can get in the game of becoming an agent, becoming a lawyer, you know, becoming an accountant, becoming a manager, becoming a booking, uh, you know, representative, becoming somebody that's, you know, doing endorsements and sponsorships or nutrition or, you know, making sure people are looking good and feeling good and being healthy. Like all those realms are spaces that anybody can get into. And so you see the kids responding like, oh, I, I can see myself do it. And, and that changes everything because that changes the esteem level, that changes the morale, the confidence. Um, and then, of course, we challenge them, you know, to uh, research those things on their own. You know, go find out who Kobe Bryant's agent is, you know, and find out what the components were of his last contract. Since you love him so much, let's not just have the poster on the wall. Why don't we find a copy of his agreement or an article about the contract he did that breaks it down and put that on the wall next to the poster. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So do you start off with the, um, I'm, I'm even hesitant to call them like the background players anymore because it's like, they are as important as the person you see on the forefront. The, um, when you say like you come in and you're, and you're vulnerable and you're breaking down these things, do you lead with, okay, we want to talk about the people who are doing the work behind the scenes first, or do you kind of start off with the person in the forefront and then like rip the layers down from that? How do you approach it in your teaching style? What's your method? Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I go in and just kind of introduce who I am first. And, and, and that vulnerability, I call it vulnerable truth um, because it, it's where you kind of can synthesize with kids. It's kind of an empathetic approach to connecting with them where you like, you know, um, I've been you, you know, I've been, I've been in third grade and sixth grade and, and ninth grade. And, um, I, I remember, I, I know what it was like to not have lunch money. I know what it was like that I, you couldn't get them shoes and you couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you find that, that, that thread, um, so you can develop trust. Right. And, um, cause that, that trust component is where you can drive interest and they, they can lean in on, on what it is you're going to give them. And then, and then from there, you know, you just kind of start to have some general dialogue about what they want or how they see the world or, um, you know, if, if they're in tune with any of their own gifts and talents and skills at this point. And, and a lot of times they are, a lot of times they have an idea of what they want to do. Um, and, and some of that comes from just me being interested. So I'll do some, some Q and a on them, you know, a little bit deeper than just how's your day. And like, you know, like, what do you love to do? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite restaurant? You know what I'm saying? Who's, you know, what's your, what's your favorite car? Um, 
you know, when was the last time you went for a walk around the neighborhood or you know, it, you know, just little weird things to kind of get them thinking about you know, themselves and their own point of in, their own point of interest. And then from there, we kind of go into and, and I'm like you, I don't typically use the term background players because basically all those individuals are the business. It's like, right. that's the business side right there. All those players are playing a role in the business. That's the infrastructure. Those are the partners. Um, they are managing that celebrity or that, you know, that person in the forefront, uh, their potential is being managed, you know, literally by these people and these components or these, uh, you know, these entities and, and, and collectively they all make up an industry and represent an industry. And um, it's just really good to see, man, because the kids can follow it. Once you start with that vulnerable truth and you, and, and you're able to, you know, synthesize with them a little bit, they're already in their own dream state. They already got their own ideas. They already have their own things that they like. So you can kind of work work with them from where they're at, um, and then now you're opening up, you know, different components of of where they can go. Yeah, I, I think it's very important that approach as well because it lets them know that you don't have to be perfect. Like you don't have to have the perfect background or the perfect parents, the perfect family anything that they may say on TV that looks like the perfect start, you know, or when they look on social media, a lot of times what we're seeing is not the whole story and it lacks the process. And so we're like, man, how can I get there? If I didn't start with what this person had, we're looking at the end result and we're saying, I want to be that without saying, I want to be the process too. I want to go through the times where I don't have any money. I want to go through the struggle. I want to not have all the resources. Like, are you looking at that as well? Because a lot of times we see the end result. So I think what you're doing is great because it allows them to be able to say to themselves, yo, I still have a chance even though I started here. I can still get to where this person is. And, and it right. just allows them to dream free still instead of being confined by what society says you need in order to be successful. So I think that's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my next question, I wanted to find out how Brave New World got started. How did that come about? Oh man, that's <laughs> that's 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 been the uh, the infinite perpetual journey right there. Um, because Brave New World is an idea. It's an idea about um, creating a business entity that allows you to have creative freedom. Um, you know, deep, deep, unyielding creative freedom. And at the same time, um, and a, a mechanism that is, uh, you know, accountable to its consumer community. So kind of like, um, you know, you could be the greatest artist in the world if you would, uh, but then there's an initiative attached to that, that there's some kind of component of giving back, whether you're giving back the story, whether you're giving back through um, resources. Or, or whether you give it back through, you know, creating some kind of a pathway for others to walk through. Um, Brave New World was designed as a construct to become the, the kind of entertainment company that uh, when I was young, I wish would have existed to come and find me. Mm. Um, so I, I wanted to design it that way. Um, I'm very fond of the term, you know, being brave because I think it, I think it um, is composed of 
you know, freedom, faith, uh, courage, you know, strength, intelligence, um, you know, know-how, and, and all those things. There's so many different terms you can associate with being brave. And then, you know, being in a new world, you know, is, is what's happening to us every single day because of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things are changing rapidly. I often challenge my audiences to think about, you know, what is Facebook going to be like in 10 years from now? You know, it, it already has, you know, crazy dynamics right now. Instagram has crazy dynamics right now. Can you imagine what that is in five years or 10 years? Yeah. Hell, two years, you know, um, and how much more so does that impact the rest of the world? What will flying on an airplane be like or driving a car or, you know, so on and so forth. So the idea of Brave New World is to have this creative, um, you know, this creative entertainment group um, that is absolutely 100% pro uh, innovation and pro, um, you know, creative evolution, if you would, where artists have an opportunity to start to see, as I often say, um, their art as a business and their business as an art. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's been a, it's been a tremendous journey. It's something I thought of, you know, almost some 20 years ago now. And, uh, it's got a, uh, really dynamic, you know, infrastructure and set up and something I've devoted my entire you know life to and very proud of. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something that's going to be around for a very long time. Yeah. I think what I hope people get from this piece, what you just said is the idea of that. There is, a, um, what you can get out of like the beautiful struggle, because you mentioned like this, what you created is something that you wish you had when you were coming up and I can relate to that. And that's kind of why. I'm doing this podcast because I know people can see interviews all the time about, you know, the people who are like uber successful and have made, you know, millions of dollars or, you know, just have these tremendous things that people may see that are intangible. But what I wanted to do was like create a platform where it's like there are people that are successful in the industry that you want to be in and they're doing it while being independent and they're making a living from it. And that was the whole reason why I did this. Cause I didn't see that coming up. I didn't know, you know, there were still ways that, you know, you might be able to make 60 to a hundred thousand dollars a year or more just based on how you're running your business and understanding how the ecosystem of the, the music industry works. Now, what are the different platforms you can use? How can you incorporate streaming? How can you incorporate uh, merchandise, all these different things, but from people who are actually doing it. And that was one of the reasons that I reached out to you because I saw you doing a lot of work and a lot of the other people that I've interviewed, these are people that are actually doing the work and they're, they're able to transition from that space of, I want to come from a nine to five and do this full time. And maybe people feel like you can't do it unless you're making millions of dollars or you're signed to a record label. But then you have people like yourself and other people that I've came across. That's like, that has to be doesn't have to be the reality for everybody in order for you to quote unquote make it. And so this is what that platform is for. And so I hope people continue to do that. You know, the quote of you be the change that you wish to see. I think that's exactly yeah. what you're doing with a brave new world. Like, and I think that's like our responsibility 
everybody so that we're not complaining about, man, I wish I had this or I wish I had that or somebody could do this for me. It's like, well, we know that it's lacking already. Well, let's just do it. Let's be the first person to do it. And it might be rough, you know, being the first person to actually step foot out there and take that chance. But I think it's, it's going to be worth it. And I know that you're going to open up many doors and, you know, kick down doors for other people that will come behind you. And like, you know, I'm happy that Brave New World was here. So I just want to commend you on doing that and, um, you know, giving your resources and your insights to other people who can work with your company. And and that leads into my, my next question is like, how can people benefit from being signed to Brave New World? Like what makes them and their staff effective versus being with somebody who may offer the same services? Yeah, well, well you know, right off the rip, I, I would say this. Uh, Brave New World is designed to, to, you know, treat its partners um, with the same kind of respect and value um, that that we treat its founder. Right. And what I mean, what I mean by that is that everybody's important. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not. I'm not just out here promoting um, who's working inside the business infrastructure because it's a cool thing that no one's really focused on before. I'm actually doing it because it occupies the great majority of my focus on a day in day out basis that building a business, um, especially when you're not coming from you know, a situation where someone handed you a million dollars or, you know, you got ticked, you got broke off 500 grand to go start this or go do that or, or what have you, when you're building from scratch and you're creating um, an infrastructure that's designed to give people opportunity you have to be on the kind of curve where you know you're not you're not trying to get this thing launched by next Monday. It's like I want this to be around, you know, a hundred years from now. Right. And in order to do that, I gotta build it with a with a mindset that my focus isn't getting a bunch of talent to come sign with me. My focus is to build the type of business that when I do open that door for whatever that talent is or whatever that project is it's going to be well-maintained and managed and sustained. And the people that are going to be working there are going to uh, be, you know, passionate about these projects. They're going to be equally vested. Mm-hmm. And I think all those things are important because a lot of artists, um, you know, were psychologically sensitive, like naturally, like, because it's, it's your art, you're building and, and you're making, you're creating things. And I think people forget that people that are in marketing, they're 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 artists too. People that are in promotions, they are artists too. People that are in um, the executive side, like building out strategy, all of that is art. All of that is huge mental uh, energy, you know, going in behind trying to make something successful. So we see the biggest benefit in working with us that you know we're creating a uh, an energy. Uh, within the company that says, I got you for life. Nice. Like we're, we're all in on this, you know, for life. And um, that's really, really important to me because I think when you study success, that's kind of the attitude. There's this committed, there's this, co- there's this concerned, like focus group. And I don't care if it's a good movie. I don't care if it's an album project. I don't care if you're making the next Camaro. Like the crew that's involved, they, you know, they're they're all in. They're all in on bringing this thing to life. And so, 
um, that will forever be the attitude. You know, you can't kind of, you can't have nothing but that attitude with a name like Brave New World. Right. And I think and, that um, is, it's good that you have that attitude because a lot of it trickles down from the top. So to have, you know, absolutely. the founder and CEO with such great character, that's going to flow, you know, from top down. So everybody else is going, like you said, we were going to, we were going to treat our artists like we treat the founder, you know what I mean? So they can feel comfortable and they can feel valued. And I think that's because also you understand what it is to be an artist as well, how you just broke it down in many different perspectives, like from the marketing to advertising, everybody is a key player within what we do and they're all valued. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're all they're all contributing. They're all playing instruments, if you would. Uh, they, you know, the sound ain't right without one of them. If one of them is off, you know, the, the whole band knows it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so you got to have that kind of focus. And I think from an independent perspective, that's that's the pitfall area. A lot of artists are they're, they're very talented. They're eager uh, to get going, and you know, without realizing that, like, man, there's got to be a core unit there around you. And so I'm always encouraging um, young artists that are just starting, like, whoever's in your crew, wh whoever you roll with, like, all of them cats, all of them chicks, they all got to start, they got to play a role if they're going to roll with you. If you, got, if you got a talent that can go to that next level, you got to understand how valuable that is it's eonically valuable. And I don't even know if there's a word that really truly supports being eonically, right? Yeah. But my, my point is, is that the true assets in our business is that it's never ending. It's perpetual. The copyright is perpetual. Like it doesn't really have an endpoint, even though they suggest it's a hundred years past the life of its original owner. But if you got your business right, you're going to pass that down through your estate or through your trust or whatever. Right. So we literally got, we really got to realize that your Elvises and your Hendrixes um, and your, and, and, and your James Browns and your, and, and some of these people that, that have passed on and transitioned decades ago, their estates are make, their estates are doing 50 and a hundred and $150 million a year. And they, and they haven't made a new record at all. They're being paid on stuff that was made in 1962 and 65. And, and I, I, I want to encourage young artists to just man, really be creative and get people around you to begin to study the game and, and, pick, and pick a role. Like, just pick any role. If you want to be the manager guy or you want to be the, you know, whatever your deal is. So, because we, we need our way out. Right. We, we need our way out. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that every family, every family gets somebody that can make it. Every neighborhood gets somebody that can make it. Every city gets somebody, every school has somebody and in every grade, there is a person. And if you can find them and, 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 you know, attach to them a skill set that supports where they headed, then everybody can get, you know, that much closer, that much quicker to the end game, which is success. But that takes teamwork and humility and practice um, and trust. And so it's just my hope that through our efforts, we can just continue to shine that light and continue to try to be that um, on our end as well and, and, and help people get there. Man, wise words. So as the CEO, what do you look for when you're signing an artist or if somebody wants to sign with you? So right now, 
um, that's not really my focus. What, what, what I'm looking at um, in, a, in a typical situation, if, if that was my focus right now, it would be dynamic talent um, across the board. Because when you study the markets, particularly if you're looking at urban and you're looking at like just hip hop specifically, um, you know, it's, it, it's a tight, it's a tight realm. Um, and, and, and a lot of people trying to get into this tight crease. Um, we have the fewest radio stations, you know, we have the, 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 the fewest, um, really everything. When you look at the total marketplace, as far as broadcasting is concerned, whether you're talking videos or you're talking, you know, whatever, but then you're in an era in the most dynamic, like vast potential to be seen and heard because of social and because of all these other things. So I think coming off the Stan Taylor uh, get down that I was mentored in, there's no greater talent than character. So the first thing I'm looking for is what's your character? Like, who are you? And that, that, that doesn't come with any judgment. That's unconditional. So it's like, if you really that dude on the street, or, or, you know, is that authentic or is that a role you play? If you're really that dude that's conscious, is that authentic? Or is that a role you play in? You know, if you're really that person that's, you know, into the alternative life kind of thing, you know, what is that? Because if, if, if I can identify your character, then I know we're going to have a long, successful journey together. Because you, because you can tell someone's committed to what it is. Unfortunately, we're saturated with a lot of talent where, where individuals are trying to be something that they're not really uh, it's not really who they are. And so the lifespan is short. So from a business perspective, it's like, okay, you can roll the dice and get somebody that might be hot for the next two or three or four years. Um, or they might have a, a, a span of time where they're, where they're able to, you know, kind of reach a prime. Or you can get with somebody that you can literally work with and build for the next 50 years. And so in my world, I've been exposed. I got a lot of friends that are legends from rock and roll to hip hop to blues. And I've watched career trajectories that span 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And I can go from names like Levert and OJs to the KRS-1s and the DMCs to the Billy Gibbonses of ZZ Top. And they all gonna tell you the same principle about being creative and thinking about the long haul and the dynamics of who you are as an individual with your character. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, who's re who's really that truth? You know what I mean? Yeah, because what I always think about is people who um who try to jump on a wave or a trend, and it's like you're only going to be successful as long as that thing is trending or as long as that wave is alive. But mm -hmm. if you come into the game and like you were mentioning, just being authentically yourself, well, that's nothing that you have to practice at. You just keep being yourself, mm -hmm. so you'll forever be successful because you continue to do you. And I think like that's important yeah. for people to remember. Like once people remember that, hey, I can be successful if I just be me, and they really like cement that in their mind. The outcome of them being successful is like ten times higher than say, hey, man, if I jump on this this movement, this crunk movement, or this hyphy movement, or the snap movement, it's going to be done shortly. The career will be done, but. Right. Like you said, to have a trajectory that spans 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, these people are, I'm guessing, are not doing anything that's not, 
you know, first nature to them. They're just giving who they authentically are from their heart, the things that they like, the things that they dislike. They're expressing that to the fullest, not like, okay, I'm yeah. going to be a vegan today because that's what it is cool right now, you know, or, <laughs> right. you know, I'm a fitness right. guru tomorrow because that's what's cool right now. But like, just be who you are authentically because people can learn to love you and you don't ever have to mask that. Because I think we've seen over time people get blasted and, and you know, they find themselves in situations where it's like, oh, these people are digging up my past and they know that I wasn't like that before and I'm trying to hold up this image and then it ruins a career. But it's like, you know, right. I, I look at different, um, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, subgenres like there's horrorcore rap, there's nerd rap, there's anime rap, and like, but there's people successful in all of those arenas because if you like to read comic books all day, there's a way for you to go out there and find that crowd and be able to travel yep. overseas and make money doing that. You don't have to be the gangster rapper or even the conscious rapper or, you know, whatever else is popular. There's ways for people to, you know, take what they love and turn that into something profitable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And moreover, you're adding value to it. You know, it's a bit abstract, but, it, but respect goes a long way with real consumers. Like, you know, uh, I, I learned that in my dealings in uh, the last six years with Starbucks that, you know, there's people that really love coffee. Like, mm. like it's, it's not just a pick me up for energy. Like they're really, <laughs> they are really into it. You know what I mean? Like they down to the bean and where it's coming from and how it's processed. And, uh, you know, they got a whole palette that they've developed around it. Um, and I say that to say that when you are in the subgenre space, um, to me, that's where like the real high character stuff really starts to come out because it, it's, it's harder to hide. So you got it like those subgenres, like you really got to really be about that authentically because those consumers know if you play it and they know how to they know how to determine it and especially in a world with so many um social tech dynamics going on where you can read on someone's point of interest uh, um you know at, at all times and it's not to say that people can't try stuff like that that person that's playing with the vegan thing yeah you can try it you know but at some point real vegans know what time it is with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's only, it's only a, a matter of time before you got to get around a community of real vegans. And, and we got to determine whether or not this is truly authentically your life, or this is just something you're kind of toying with. And, and it's at that moment that you lose the value. And that's where the backlash on things kind of happens. But I think character, character, uh, if it's authentic, and, and people are coming from a space where they really know who they are. Um, it can go in and out of any subgenre. It can move in and through anything and just apply gifts and talents and skills where applicable. Um, and I think that that's when you look at our legends, like that, you know, they all have had that ability. If you really sit down with a, with a serious rock and roll cat, like I had a, um, um, a wonderful experience with, with Billy Gibbons, through, through one of my friends in the movie industry, uh, movie director and, and music producer, Martin Gigi, uh, was serving as his MD on his last tour run. And he's historically known, he's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, the, the white dudes with the big beards and the, and, and the cool, crazy hats uh, from back in the day, uh, riding around in the lowriders and the, 
and, and the freaky whips. Um, and here this guy, they come to town, man, and we hanging out. And this dude, you know, is has got an ensemble that's doing this Afro-Cuban Latin jazz jump off. And he's the lead guitarist for it. And, you know, his his heritage, his pops was this amazing Latin jazz, um, you know, symphonic, you know, type of conductor dude that like, you know, phenomenal songwriter and, and all this kind of stuff. And you would never know it um, if you just focused on the rock side. And so I, it's a testament to just musical character. Like this is a guy that can play through, you know, six, seven genres seamless. Yeah. Um, and, and, and authentically hold it. And I think that that's the case for a lot of people that are great. Um, and we're in an era where we want our youngsters to just kind of know, like, you don't got a front. You really, you're, you're going to have enough trouble in the world just being you. Like, you're, right. you're totally occupied if you just do that. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, skip the time for fronting, man, because it don't, you know, it just doesn't pan out, you know, in, in the long run. And there's so much beauty and inner genius and, and get down inside of all of us individually that if we can just connect to the character thing, everything else gets a little bit easier. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that's like off limits that people can kind of bring to the forefront and there won't be a, a crowd or a consumer for it. Like I've seen so many different things from, from mom rappers, you know, who's just rapping about being like a stay at home mom and dealing with their kids <laughs> and people rapping about video games. Like, but there's an audience for everything. Like I, at this point in life, from what I'm seeing, I don't think that there's anything that's off limits. So like you said, yeah. you just got to just authentically be you. And I think it provides longevity. And um, so I definitely Absolutely. think that it's worth it. And then like how you were talking about people who really love Starbucks, like, is that how the name Cafe Noir Project came about? Like, can you tell us about that project, like the purpose of it, who it serves, and yeah. how artists can be a part of it? Or is that just like a solo thing you do? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I for years, man, I've been an industry traditionalist. And this is part of what's alternative about me when I deal with independence, is that I'm very pro-industry. Like, I believe in business. I believe in, you know, creating jobs for people. I believe in people, um, you know, playing significant roles and, and, and making that dynamic space happen. And I, I did a whole career of having to, you know, do that. I, you know, I got deals along the way. Um, and even though they didn't pan out, I had a couple that were shelved and, you know, crazy things happened. but I kind of always had that trajectory. And I say that because I got to a point where I wanted to just kind of get out of it all. There was a point that happened in my life um, where I just wanted to strip everything back down to grandma's basement. Like I just wanted it to be about a dope beat, a rhyme, a melody, you know what I'm saying? Uh, You know, a a hook and me just chilling. And my grandma was a coffee drinker and this is back in the day, so you know she would drink the the Folgers and the <laughs> yeah. and the uh, and the U-Band and that kind of stuff, right? And um, I just remember that. I remember the aroma of coffee and, and and you know the books and the music and and all this kind of stuff. And you know everybody has taken a meeting at Starbucks at some point in their life. And and, and here in Seattle, one of the hubs um, is in the Central District on 23rd and Jackson. And I was in there in a meeting. 
and something kind of came over me like, man, you know, maybe I should uh, bring this experience um, into Starbucks. I was doing this thing called Soul Sundays where it was that stripped down grandma's basement kind of thing. And uh, I got this hunch uh, to go with Starbucks and I, and I talked to my partner, um, Candace Richardson, about, you know, how, how, I, how we would, you know, develop an approach and try to deal with this because clearly this is something Starbucks doesn't do. And we initially just started working with the, with the management team there at that particular store. And our whole agenda was, I just want to do something for the people. I mean, because this store was, was really dope. Like, you know, you got the brothers in there playing chess. You know, you got uh, college students in there on the laptops. You got, you know, it's a Starbucks and it's, and it's, and it's in the middle of the hood. And it's, it's, it was just kind of this thing. And I'm like, man, you just add music to this and you might have something. So Starbucks obviously is a, is a huge giant. They're one of the biggest companies on earth. So it's not like you can just go in there and do stuff. Right. Um, so we, you know, we had to have some strategy. Anyways, we, we, we got the blessing to start performing there. And I was performing there two times a week for a couple of months straight. And the people loved it. And it was wow. just a little, a little audio setup, man, some speakers. Um, I plug in the, the, you know, the iPhone, play the beats. And just, I literally was flowing like I'm just in grandma's basement. Like it's just chill. And everybody loved it. And so a couple months went by and, um, and I knew I kind of had something cause we, you know, we were collecting data the whole time. Like, you know, people were leaving just phenomenal comments. I was, I was selling music and merchandise. Like it was crazy. It was one of the funnest experiences of my life. It was so low stress. Mm. There was no issues. It was all good, you know, hug and kissing on the babies and the people. And it was one of those things. And finally, um, my brother, um, who used to work for the, uh, the Seattle Supersonics, uh, he and I both, um, I used to have a program with the Sonics called the legends, but he, he was employed by the Sonics for some time. And he had reminded me of a friend of his who was in the marketing department before Howard Schultz, um, bought the Sonics. Um, this is when the Ackley family in Seattle owned the Sonics. And he, you know, he gave me her name and number and said, Hey, she's over at Starbucks. Now you should let her know about what you're doing over there. And so I took the hunch and called her and, um, she just so happened to at the time, you know, be the head of marketing. Uh, and her and I had to sit down. I, I told her what I was doing and what was happening. And this is, this is so crazy. And this is, this is a good lesson for everybody out there to, to, to never doubt their hunches because you never know where they can lead. Because remember, I, at this point, I'm just in here on a hunch. Like, I just want to, you know, bring in this experience. So now I'm sitting down with the head of marketing over breakfast one morning. I'm at the same Starbucks that I perform at, mind you. And, and we're sitting there chopping it up. And she says, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I think this is something that I'd like to take, you know, outside of Seattle and get around the country and eventually around the world and, and see what can come of it. And so she says, uh, you know, what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, yo, I, I, you know, I really, I was, I was busy and I didn't know where it was going, but she was like, there's somebody I want you to meet and you're going to have to catch her tonight. And she's the executive vice president and the lead counsel for Starbucks. Wow. And I'm like, 
oh man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit bugged out because I'm not prepared to talk to nobody <laughs> at that level, Yeah. you know, at this, at that point, but it was an opportunity moment where it's like, you need to see her tonight. And oh, by the way, she's an artist too. Wow. So I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> she's performing tonight down at the Roy Street. I'm like, okay, hold on. Wow. Let me just, so, That's crazy. so I go down there and I, um, her name is Paula Boggs. And I, I, I walk in the store and I'm watching her do her set, and she's got this kind of roots, folky. You know, this is this is a this is a black woman who's a major executive, huge, one of the most successful black women, arguably, ever in corporate America. And here she is with a guitar in her hand, with a cool little you know four or five piece ensemble, you know keys, bass. Um, I think there might have been a, a a horn or flute or something like that. I don't know. I forget what it was initially that I that I saw, but she had this this cool little thing going on. I waited to the intermission. I rolled up on her, introduced myself. I said, "Hey, you know, uh, such and such told me to come see you tonight, and this is what I'm doing." And she just smiled and she said, "When is the next time you're doing it? I want to come check it out." And I said, "Yo, it was just so happens to be this coming, you know, Tuesday or whatever it was." And um, Sure enough, man, that next event, uh, she popped in there and watched me do this experience. And the rest was kind of history. She went back and, and, and endorsed the program and, um, you know, kind of gave the heads up uh, with the corporate realms that, that um, she blessed off on this. And um, that was six years ago. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's really cool. I think, uh, you know, it might be the only um, autonomous, you know, non-Starbucks owned, you know, experience maker um, that's working with that organization um, in, in, in this light. Yeah. But a lot of sh shared community initiatives, um, a wonderful consumer base that um, obviously loves coffee, loves music. It's the perfect kind of vibe thing. And, and, and honestly, Barry, you know, the, the real deal of it was it was the perfect thing I needed as a step away from the industry. Mm, it seems very grassroots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like the epitome, like, you yeah. know, the coffee shop. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so, and everybody was bugging out. Like, all my people I know at labels, and they, you're like, well, yo, man, you performing in the coffee store? I'm like, yo, when I come to town, when I get back to L.A., I'm going to be performing at blah, blah, blah. You know, y'all come check me out so you can see what it is. Yeah. And once people, once people see it and experience it, like it's kind of life changing. It's a really deep, cool thing. So I titled it Cafe Noir, the Cafe Noir project, which is just coffee black because that's, it's just an, an ode to my grams, you know, that, you know, she just sit up with her your, your little cup of coffee and on her black culture vibe. And, you know, in her own way of renegating the system and, and trying to uplift people. Um, and for her, that was books and literature and, and music and, and arts. Um, and so this was just kind of me honoring her and my parents, uh, you know, for just being music lovers, man. And just yeah. having the, the wherewithal to know how to just turn the cuts on and turn on some food. You know what I'm saying, and and just chill with your people and have conversation, and um, that's all I'm really creating. And since then, it's grown into so many more 
so many more things. You know, we have a reading component of it now with Barnes and Noble um, that's going really, really well. Yeah, man. So there's, it's just a, a lot of good things happening. So, and that's why I say I learned, you know, to turn my art into a business and my business into an art because none of this could happen if I didn't see the value in uplifting people as an actual, you know, component of business, like that this should be something that you do as, as, as certain as getting your business card, you know, you should just have a value to your consumer. Like, no, your consumer is your business card. Like that's who, that's who your billboard is. That's who your, that that's the real website, right? Like that's the real video. However you just made your last customer feel, that's your latest song. Because whatever they go do after they leave you is, you know, that's either going to uplift you or, or it's not. And that's the root of the grassroots, right? Like that word of mouth is, is the communication form. That's the broadcast system for the grassroots culture. Yeah, so, always has been. Um, always has been, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, so this this was a, a project that was designed to really just embrace that and, and let that be what it is. And it was another indefinite move. You know, I look forward to working with, with Starbucks and Barnes and & Nobles and, and everyone else that we deal with, you know, for many, many years to come. So um, it's been an exciting thing, man. So it seems like all of the, like the stars were just lined up for you. Like everything just worked out perfectly. I don't know everything that happened like in between in the middle, maybe all the other meetings you had to take, but it just like, it just seems like it, it worked in your favor, which is a blessing, you know? So I'm wondering like, is this something that you seek and work for others or like how, how does a person go about securing partnerships with corporate entities such as Starbucks, Apple or Barnes and Nobles like you have? Or if yeah. that's not as possible anymore, do you think that is something that people can come in on the shoulders of you, standing on your shoulders, and you're like, yo, I want to bring this group of people in because they have great ideas. Let them utilize this space. Yeah, I'm, uh, so so it's interesting because, you know, you know, for me, I think you're right. The stars aligned. It was, it was great timing for, uh, for Starbucks and for, for me. Um, it, it was just before Paula Boggs was retiring. She was actually, um, being, being hired by Obama for, um, uh, going into his second term. And, um, it was the kind of, it was a moment, you know, I could have, if I would have waited on my hunch, I very well could have, um, been trying to do this when she was already gone, but you know, what are the odds and chances of the executive vice president and lead counsel of Starbucks to also be African-American female and a folk singer. Like (laughs) how do you even, you know, (laughs) how you line that up, uh, you know, saying, and then how do you line up this dude who was a traditional, you know, hip hop artist, you know, coming in with this idea to, you know, I got live bands and I got, you know, record deals and, and, and all this other stuff going on. I pair all that down just to get down to some, so yeah, so it was like a perfect storm. But I say that to say this, any artist, if their intention, because the only intention I had here is I just wanted to honor where I came from, 
where music was introduced to me and I wanted to uplift people. Mm-hmm. Like there was no other agenda associated with it. I didn't have any real strategy roadmap um, for this experience. That I, I had to build that along the way. Um, but my intention is what got me there. And that's where the real power was. And what I ended up, what I ended up finding out, Barry, was that Starbucks had the same intention. So they, they, love, they love their consumer. They, they want their... So I think artists have to identify what is your intention and what are you willing to do for your consumer? And, and how great do you want them to feel? And how willing are you to go do that in spaces that are less traveled? Um, you know, can you can you go into them subgenre markets and and uh, you know if you're if you're conscious hip hop, for instance, um, can you go into the church circuit and you know hit all the churches up and be cool with that and really turn that into an experience like a really dope experience for the church crowd. Um, if you're if you're a rock and roller, you know what I'm saying? Can you go into the schools and, and, and do a high school tour just in cafeterias during lunchtime and set the band up and let them just, you know, go crazy. Are you okay with doing like just these different things that are just designed to give people a good time? Yeah. Um, and I think from there, the sky's the limit. If you're open to that kind of thing, initially, we want anyone that's innovative and talented and committed and full of character to get with us right? because we we've created um, unique platforms and, and have a, um, a really good foundation of experience with, within these realms of working with these brands, um, working within the industry, remaining independent, but still being able to be very um, industry centric for the deal making and career path development and all this kind of stuff. So we feel like, you know, we have a mechanism in place, obviously but the truth of the matter is nobody would has to get with with us you know um well in the case of in the case of what we do at starbucks you do because that's the way that that deal is set out but ultimately wherever you can find your niche and you can find a committed part of your personality that wants to love on people through your art yeah size and limit yeah and, I, and and one of the key words that you said is experience. And I think that is a part of Starbucks brand. Like they allow people to have great experiences there. People go there for meetings. People go there just to get their coffee and just to hang out, maybe to read, maybe to work, you know, on their laptops. Mm-hmm. They provide a space of great experience. And I think that's where you guys align because that was your intention to give your consumers a great experience. And yes, so it worked absolutely. Perfectly. 